Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, this week on the AccuWeather Podcast, we're getting patriotic. Guys, we are talking about the midterm elections. Well, just kind of elections in general and weather and how that affects those. Yeah. And I'm going to put you guys on the spot because uh, are you guys regular voters? Absolutely. Yes. Look at you guys voting. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know. Well, I Certainly as I've gotten older. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I, uh, in my 20s, probably voted in the midterms all the time. But now I certainly do. Yeah, I guess that happened for me, too. Uh, the older I got, the more uh, consistently mm-hmm. I voted. How about yeah. you, Andy? Yeah, same. Yeah. That and I also like stickers. <laughs> <laughs> do you get stickers at your polling place? Yeah, I, I do. I, isn't it really? Doesn't everybody get? I a apparently, stickers? you're the only one that gets a sticker. Really? No, but I have never gotten a sticker. I think you're right, Andy, because at, uh, whenever I go on Facebook, I always see people with the "I voted" stickers, but I have never gotten any. Well, in my getting the, like, yeah. where are you getting? Now, there's my mission this time. Yeah, oh. get out there and get a sticker. Where <laughs> is my sticker? <laughs> so anyway, this week we are talking politics, and we're talking to Mike Bender. He's a faculty director at the Public Opinion Research Lab at the University of North Florida. Uh, Plus, we're also going to be talking politics with AccuWeather COO Evan Myers, so stay tuned. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. I'm joined on the phone by Mike Bender. He is a faculty director at the Public Opinion Research Lab at the University of North Florida. Thanks for taking a little bit of time to talk to me today, Mike. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me on. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and your area of expertise? So I am a political scientist by trade. I got my Ph.D. from University of California, San Diego back in 2011. Uh, I spent a couple of years at Stanford, and I've been here at the University of North Florida since well, about seven years now, and I've been the faculty director of the Public Opinion Research Lab for, oh, five or six of those years. And I'm really happy that you could take a little bit of time to talk to us about, uh, you know, obviously with us being AccuWeather, we want to talk about the effects that weather may have on voting. And I was wondering, prior to the elections, does weather seem to have any impact on your polling so far? In general, taking out of account, you know, Hurricane Michael and and what that did to the panhandle for just a minute. But in general, weather doesn't have a great impact on our polling typically because we usually call over the course of four or five or six days or maybe even a week or longer. And and weather, as you all know, is typically a a short term event. It's an ephemeral and comes and goes. And so we usually get people and it's not usually a big problem. However, Uh, There are circumstances where weather can have long lasting impacts and and, and Hurricane Michael in the Gulf Coast is 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 a great example of that. You know, folks still to this day are struggling with power issues and and even some phone issues in certain portions of the more rural areas of Bay County and and even Gulf County a little bit. And so it makes it very difficult to to reach those voters and, and get a hold of them. And that absolutely can impact poll results. Right. So you're you're going to have um, much more difficulty trying to gauge the feelings of the people in that area. So 
Does that impact campaigning in that area? Well, it certainly impacts campaigning. Uh, we, we saw it here in our governor's race. We have a pretty competitive governor's race with uh, Andrew Gillum and, and also uh, current congressman Ron DeSantis. They were running for, for governor and both of them kind of rushed over to the area. Andrew Gillum is currently the Tallahassee mayor. So Leon County was in the path of the hurricane and he was there on TV getting a lot of attention. But also our current governor is running for the Senate, Rick Scott, and mm-hmm. he suspended campaigning activities and he's been focused on com- coming back from the hurricane. He was there on TV consistently getting a ton of name recognition and, and mentions both on your station and others uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, that has really buoyed his campaign a little bit and he's getting positive marks uh, in, in some of the latest polling for how he's handled that job. And that, that, that stuff matters when it comes to election outcomes, uh, you know, how, you re- how you respond in times of adversity and how you're viewed certainly impacts people's uh, willingness to vote for you uh, for for the next office. Well, you know, I was thinking about that, too, because we're talking about Hurricane Michael, which is like immediately before the midterms. Have you seen a difference when it's something that there's a, a lag effect? Okay, like where maybe let's say Michael happened, you know, six months ago and now we're at the elections. Potentially, if you look back to Katrina, for example, which, again, wasn't right before the election, you know, it was kind of a Labor Day ish event. Those are types of things that had long lasting impacts on the presidency and what that led to in the midterms in 2006. That was, you know, that was 05. That was well before the election. Mm -hmm. So there are absolutely examples where traumatic weather events happen and then down the road they have impacts on policy and perceptions and and, and a great deal of things. I grew up in Jersey. I have a family home at the Jersey sewer. So we were directly impacted by Sandy, which was, again, a Halloween type uh, event leading up to that race as well. On those ones, like when it's in in the immediate past, does that seem to favor then more incumbents? Well, I, I think I think it certainly can, assuming the incumbent does well and, and handles himself well. If you think back to 2012, you had Barack Obama coming to New Jersey and embracing the Republican governor at the time, Chris Christie. That came back and haunted Chris Christie in 2016 when they in the primary, when they were showing Chris Christie hugging Obama, who in the Republican primary was not a popular character. That was a, a circumstance where resulting from weather certainly impacted Chris Christie's political chances going forward in a negative manner down the road. Although initially in 2012, it certainly Barack Obama was seen positively in those regards. Just talking about elections in general, I had read some research from the University of North Carolina that suggests that good weather favors risky candidates or or challengers and that bad weather can favor incumbents. Um, Can you speak to me about that idea? So some of it is about the swing voter, the the voter who is not the type of voter that always goes, right? There's the super voter and I'm, and then there's the people in your friend group that never vote. And somewhere in between that is a group of people that depending upon the circumstances may or may not be inclined to show up and vote. And those folks, the, the, the argument goes that they are more likely to be up for grabs and they might be more inclined to vote for a challenger. So if the weather's better and it's easier to vote, those folks might be more inclined to show up. Conversely, if the weather's bad and it drives down turnout, you're more likely to get the super voters. And typically, if the incumbent is there, they won an election previously, so they are familiar with and have been exposed to this group of voters, so they're probably more inclined to vote for them. In that 
regard, is it a little bit less about, well, it, I mean, weather's related, but it's about commitment to. Yeah, and, but, and, and, and weather is one of those things that makes it either easier or harder. Bad weather certainly puts up barriers and disincentivizes people from going places. Right. And I can see I can see how that happens. I'm, you know, I, I've had occasions where if I'm not real committed to any of the uh, candidates, like even I personally have had situations where it's like pouring outside and you're like, you know, you've got to drag yourself out of the house. You're like, oh, I should head down there, you know. Uh, but the weather definitely, you know, can affect. I could imagine there would be a lot of people that would just be like, oh, I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, out. it's the same thing with, with sporting events or, or any type of activity where you're going somewhere uh, if the weather's bad yeah there's going to be people there but there won't be as many people if the weather was nice what about the old adage that republicans should pray for rain like where did that come from and and what can you tell me about that well so typically and again we're speaking in generalities here, right yeah the democrats tend to have a greater proportion of those voters do typically due to demographic features that are less likely to vote all the time folks that tend to be Higher educated, higher income are on average more invested and, and are more active in the political system. Those with lower incomes, lower education levels tend to be less invested in the political system. Folks that rent as opposed to owning homes are less likely to vote. Democrats tend to have more of those people in their party than Republicans do. As such, those folks are the ones that are more likely to be disproportionately affected. So imagine yourself if all you have to do is go downstairs, walk into your garage, get in your car, drive to your polling place, maybe you face a little bit of rain walking in and out. What if you don't have a car and you have to take public transportation and you have to go wait for the bus and you have to sit outside and wait 10, 15, 20 minutes for a bus to get on a bus to go down to your polling station? Suddenly, not only do you have to face a, a, a higher cost, it's disproportionately higher relative to somebody in a different socioeconomic status. And Democrats, by and large, have more of those types of voters in their party than Republicans do. So they're more likely to be negatively impacted by weather. Well, um, can you tell me about some of the races to watch this year? I'll make a pitch here for Florida. We have a pretty exciting governor's race with a very progressive African-American Democrat Andrew Gillum up against a very conservative, closely tied to Trump Republican Congressman Ron DeSantis. And in a lot of ways, Bernie Sanders has been down here and, and some folks are making the argument that this is the kind of Sanders Trump election that never happened. Right. And we get, we're getting a lot of attention. Nationally. I can see. Yeah, I could see how that would be the case. The other thing to keep your eye on, not so much the Senate races, because I think it's pretty safe that the Republicans are going to be able to maintain control of the Senate, but the House races and Congressional races typically don't get a lot of attention, but this year they're going to matter a lot because there's a real chance that Democrats can take back control of the House. And if Democrats have a majority in the House, it's going to completely alter the landscape in Washington as far as what gets through Congress, what hearings are held, how President Trump is able to govern, all those types of things. And there's a number of competitive House races, both here in Florida uh, and nationally. And I'll make a plug for uh, my colleagues up at Siena College. Uh, they're partnered with the New York Times and are doing live poll updating of 50 different battleground congressional seats across the country. And those, I think, are things to keep an eye on. And if you're a voter, yes, pay attention to your governor's races and all of that. But those House races, those U.S. congressional races, they're going to have a big impact on what government looks like for the next two years. So are you expecting a bigger turnout in general because of kind of how things are right Again, now. Again, I, I want to be I want to be careful here. 
when I say bigger turnout and I, I think there's excitement and enthusiasm, we're talking about a midterm election here. You know, anywhere from 40 to 50 percent of registered voters actually show up and vote in these things. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're on the higher end and we're, you know, 50 or the low 50s as far as registered voter turnout goes, that's good. Now, objectively, that's probably not so good when you're thinking about what about the other half of the voters that aren't voting or paying attention. Right. Um, but we will do better, I think, on average for a midterm because of a lot of the um, political both debate and intensity uh, that's out there. You know, one of the things that I saw, too, that um, is a weather-related uh, situation that uh, could have an impact politically, maybe, is uh, in your area, red tide. Right. So uh, aside, obviously, from the, the health and environmental impacts that the, that the, the red tides are having here in Florida, there, there's absolutely political cost. Um, some of the, there's a congressional district down there that, that we pulled in. Uh, just south of Hillsborough, kind of Manatee County and Sarasota County in Florida, just below Tampa, that the environment was the most important problem that people mentioned when we asked them what the most important problem facing their district was. And that's never been the case. So the, the idea that this is such an important issue and it threatens not only the health of the people around there, but also the tourism industry, which is enormous for Florida, how candidates can do on attempting to solve that has implications not just for people that are concerned about the environment, but people that are concerned about tourism dollars. And that's something that, that here in Florida is very important. And both our Democratic and Republican governor's candidates have made this an issue, and it has been talked about a great deal. Uh, the Senate candidates, even though typically when you're thinking about running for Senate, it's more of a national issue, both candidates have been running lots of ads about the role of red tide and who's at fault and, and who's to blame for it. So there are certainly, uh, this that issue has come into the forefront uh, here in Florida. And I would imagine that this type of thing uh, occurs at a lot of different places when you have a localized environmental threat or weather-related threat. Maybe you have some tornadoes in the Midwest that decimate a town. Those localized issues can bubble to the top during elections. Right. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how that goes from being it, it, it's an environmental issue, but how it kind of takes center stage with people that it, maybe it normally wouldn't because it became an economic problem. Absolutely. One, yeah. one, you know, there's a lot of people in this country that, you know, don't much care about the environment and don't think it's, you know, man's place to worry too much about that. But once it starts impacting your bottom line, suddenly a lot more people care about it. Right, right. And, and when you start threatening tourism dollars in the state of Florida, I mean, that is our bread and butter. Uh, and and if, that, if that gets threatened, you know, there's a lot of other places that have beaches that people can go to right. and that are warm. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you don't want to mess around with that. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. Um, thanks so much, Mike. This has been really informative and I appreciate it greatly. Glad to do it for, for, for a kid that grew up in Jersey, staring at weather and maps, waiting for a hurricane to come bring me surf. Uh, I get a kick out of talking to folks on, on uh, AccuWeather. I bet. I bet. Well, it's been it's been interesting. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting that uh, Mike was talking about was uh, in Florida, for example, where they have like a week or two of early voting, depending upon like the county you're in or whatever, and how there's also with more absentee ballots, you can pick your day. Like you can pick a sunny day and go out and vote. I would love to be able to do that. I actually have not, I hate to say it, I have not gone out because we have one day. And if you work that day, 
and you're gone and you finally get home you eat dinner and you sit down and then you look outside and it's raining or something and you're like oh man I yeah, should like, go uh, forget vote. forget about it yeah. you know it's almost because <laughs> you got to go park yeah and then you got to go in and because there's only one day everybody's lined up out the door and so you got to wait to go in i always thought it should be a national holiday I'm with you. Yeah, I think it I, should be. It should yeah. be. It should be, I think. Yeah. I mean, why not? If we want people to vote, we want people to participate. If you, you really want to maximize the amount of absolutely, turnout. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So why not? I <laughs> think it's a, somebody needs to listen to us about that. Who yeah. do we talk to? <laughs> who do, who we do, do I get on the phone? So, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you who I'm going to get in studio here coming up is uh, Evan Myers, and we're going to be talking some more about this. But before we uh, get to Evan, I know he's waiting outside the door for us, but make sure to go to AccuWeather.com slash podcast, and don't forget to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Well, for our next segment to follow up on elections and then forecasting, I thought, well, who's better to bring in than Evan Myers? Because you're passionate about both those, right, Evan? <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, so um, I am passionate. There's a lot of people that are passionate about, about politics and the weather. Sometimes they go hand in hand. Obviously, I'm passionate about the weather. And I've been involved in civic things myself for for many years, serving on different commissions. And currently, I serve as uh, president of our city council. So uh, here in State College, uh, where AccuWeather's global headquarters are located. So I've been involved in all kinds of different things. It keeps me busy, keeps the juices flowing. (laughs) And I've been a student of politics uh, for most of my life. Right. So you know the importance of weather and how that can affect, um, you know, different elections. But, you know, I thought I'd bring you in, too, to talk a little bit about... um, some historical events, weather events, and maybe how those might have affected elections, if they do at all. And I wondered if you might have a couple for me. Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Certainly, the uh, weather in November uh, can be an issue for the general election because you start to get some of the snows from uh, the winter starting to, to strike. Although, the main impacts that weather have had historically are events that really didn't occur on election day, but occurred prior to that. You can look at Hurricane Sandy, for example. Uh, That had a profound uh, impact on the turnout across New Jersey, uh, in New York, and and Connecticut, mostly uh, northern New Jersey. It's interesting, though, when you look at it, even though less people voted in the uh, 2012 presidential election, than voted in uh, the 2008 presidential election, the trend in New Jersey, the voting trend in New Jersey, was actually different than it was across the rest of the country. That was the uh, re-election campaign for Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And usually when presidents are fairly popular and uh, you know moving toward re-election, less people vote in those elections. It's just almost kind of like a foregone conclusion who's going to win, so less people vote for the president who's running for re-election unless people vote for their opponent. And in fact, that's what happened in the 2012 election. And in New Jersey, somewhat less people voted, but not as many less as you might think. And also generally what happens uh, oftentimes is that the the difference between the two candidates isn't as great, except in New Jersey. There was actually a greater difference. Uh, Obama received a much higher uh, percentage victory in New Jersey and the perception, the reason for that probably was the perception that uh, he was very helpful in the recovery and, and also the immediate response. And, of course, Sandy. Chris Christie was the Republican governor of New Jersey and publicly stated that, in fact, uh, the Obama administration and the president himself were very helpful in New Jersey. So uh, that was a weather impact at that time. 
Katrina had an impact in that there were a lot of uh, places, or polling places, that people had a, were displaced. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, in Louisiana, there were several hundred thousand folks from Louisiana still in the Houston area. But the, oh, the state wow. of Louisiana actually uh, went through a, uh, a different type of approach and allowed all those folks to vote uh, in Texas for as long as they showed proof that they were native and where they lived in Louisiana. Oh, so wow. that's so that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the old adage uh, of, uh, the, you know, the presidential campaign starts in the snows of New Hampshire because mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire still is the first primary of the season, even though the caucuses in Iowa occur before the New Hampshire primary. But that's not really a primary. Right. I mean, it's it is, but it isn't. Uh, so that was the old adage, you know, from the snows of, uh, of New Hampshire right through the, you know, the warmth of spring and early summer were the primary season. And then at the end of the year, we got, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the election in November. One of the reasons that uh, first Tuesday after the first Monday was chosen is because uh, th- that, that enabled uh, farmers to take their produce to market and then and then allow them to vote on that Tuesday. That was not a day oh, that wow. so that they- was not really a day that um, folks really uh, were traveling back and forth. And oftentimes, in order to go vote, you had to spend almost your whole day traveling somewhere. If because you know when the uh, when the Constitution went into effect in in 1789, uh, the uh, Ninety-seven percent of all uh, Americans lived in rural areas, mm-hmm. so it took a while. Then you walk—you didn't walk a, a block or two to your polling place. You had to get on your horse or your buggy and go somewhere, and it, and it took a while. So that's one of the reasons that, that that happened. And then it would take a long time to tally those votes. Uh, you remember, until Franklin Roosevelt's second inauguration, uh, the president wasn't inaugurated until March. Uh, oh, okay. And so it the, was moved to January after that. But the reason it took so long is because it oftentimes took a month or two to count all the votes and get everything together. Yeah, so you didn't even like know who the president. You didn't even know who the president was for a while at the beginning. So uh, those are all kinds of interesting timing things. Of course, now with uh, the way that absentee ballots are or early voting, maybe weather won't be the same kind of factor going forward in the future as it has been. If in fact that trend toward early voting uh, continues. Well, actually, that was one of the things that I talked uh, with Mike Bender about, um, our, our pollster. And he was saying about like the early voting in Florida. And so that you can go when the weather is nice, maybe, and do your voting. And so, so do you think that there's a disadvantage for those places that don't do that because weather yes. really has more of an impact? So I think there is a disadvantage. So there's, it's kind of, there's kind of a couple different things. One, is that uh, people, ha- I've heard people talk about uh, that age is a factor in uh, who votes. Mm-hmm. That uh, the weather, the more the adverse the weather is, uh, the, more, the less people, older people vote. Uh, that may be true of the extreme elderly, but it's not really true on a, from the standpoint, uh, when you look at it demographically, weather impacts not by age, but by commitment. The more committed you are to vote, the more likely you are going to vote, no matter what the weather is. And it's interesting because generally older people, and I don't, people 50 plus, Mm -hmm. but even 65 plus. That would be me. Or more, more well, I'm in that category too, are more committed to vote 
generally, not always, but generally, than younger people. So the worse the weather is, it's actually the greater uh, percentage of people who are older, plus 50, plus 55, plus 60, that vote than people that are 18 to 30, uh, just, because, just because of that commitment. So that's interesting. Uh, is it, would it be a disadvantage uh, to some states that uh, don't have early voting uh, for people voting? I, I, I think so. You know, the whole history of the United States politically is that of expanding voting rights. Before the Constitution, in many places, you could only vote if you're a white male, landowning Christian. That was the only way you could vote. Wow. But as we've gone through time, as you've looked at the Constitution and who is allowed to vote and who the, co- the country has, it's, all, it's been an expansion of, of voting rights to allow citizens, any citizen so to vote. So you have a cross-section of the real, you know, general public instead of just now, small. Now yeah. we, now we right. do, and that's been what the country has, the model the country has been moving toward. And so early voting allows folks to do that, allows greater participation. And if uh, if we're nothing uh, that, you know, we talk about the great democracy we are, a democracy, uh, you know, encourages participation from everyone, doesn't limit folks uh, and, you know, participates, uh, every participant as a citizen, obviously, but we want to expand that, not go the other way. So, Early voting does uh, does have an advantage to allow more people to vote, and it, it does absolutely mitigate the impact of weather. And the weather may have a factor on this coming election. That was going to be my next question, is I wanted to talk about the weather and this upcoming election. Well, it looks like a slow-moving system weather system is going to affect the eastern part of the country uh, from Maine all the way down into Florida on Election Day. Uh, It looks like it's actually moving a little bit slower than it did yesterday. So we obviously know that the Senate may be in balance. There's a lot of gubernatorial races. So which races might we might this impact? So in Indiana, that's a that's a close that's going to be a close Senate race. And there probably will be some showers, but not any anything heavy and no snow. So that may dampen the the turnout there. It's interesting in Tennessee, which is also another close senatorial race. It's look. It looks like the eastern, <clears throat> excuse me, and central part of Tennessee may have a significant amount of rain, but not the western part of Tennessee. So that may affect turnout in different parts of the state. So depending on where someone is stronger than than not, it it could hold yeah, down turnout. Yeah, whether you have more Democrats, and, more Republicans, in which areas of exactly, the state, and you know. and also the the Florida Panhandle that was ravaged by Hurricane Michael. You know, they're still uh, uh, reeling and trying to recover from that. The recovery, which is, uh, I know AccuWeather.com has been reporting on the slow nature of the recovery, but it's kind of the news media, the national news media keeps moving on to the next story and the next story. Mm -hmm. But the the Florida panhandle and also southwest Georgia are both in really bad shape. And the recovery is really, really slow. And so in the Florida panhandle, that area is actually much more heavily Republican. And so if it's harder for those folks to vote, uh, whether to vote early or vote on Election Day, that could impact two very close races, the gubernatorial race uh, in which the Democrat in the latest poll has a few percentage point lead. And the senatorial race, which is also very close that I think the Democrat has a one or two point lead. So if, in fact, the panhandle, the vote is somewhat suppressed. That would help the Democrats in both in, in both categories. 
in southwestern Georgia, which is also recovering from Michael, not right. quite as badly right. as the Panhandle. That's more of a democrat. That's also rural, but it's much more of a democratic stronghold. And in in Georgia, there's an extremely close gubernatorial race, and I think the you know that's been a dead heat for a month or so. So if that suppresses democratic turnout, the weather does. Uh, that could impact that race. Now, there's all other types of things that hold down turnout that have nothing to do with the weather. Right. We, we, we right. want to talk. <laughs> we we, we want to editorialize on, on those here. I mean, I personally think that as many folks as can possibly vote should vote. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's not a privilege. It's your right to mm-hmm. vote, and you should exercise your right. The only way that you are going to be able to have an, uh, an impact on, on the outcome of where the country's going is if you express your voice. I agree. I have a friend that she never wants to vote because she's like, oh, I don't really like politicians. And I was like, you know what? You can't complain unless you get in the game and uh, and vote. So I think that's uh, good advice, Evan, for everyone. So thanks for uh, talking to me today. Absolutely. You know, one of the things Evan was talking about, and, you know, I was thinking about the fact that we voted more. You know, we were saying we voted more as we got older, but that might not be necessarily a trend that's going to continue. No, it looks like this year, uh, actually, a new uh, survey by the Harvard Institute of Politics says that about 40 percent of young Americans in that 18 to 34 age range mm-hmm. are actually going to go out and vote this year. Um, that's actually up. It's a record. It's up from uh, four years ago where only 13% voted. Wow, that's that's a huge difference. You know, and I think, you know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, it's divisive times, mm-hmm. and I can see why that brings out, you know, everybody now really wants their voice to be heard probably more than ever. The sad part is it's 40%, and that's a record. So yeah. the, so 60% are still saying, forget about it, I'm just staying home. True, it's true. So, it's sad to me. That is sad to me. I think sometimes it's like that people feel like they can't necessarily make mm-hmm. a difference with one vote. But you know what? Every one of them, they always say every vote counts, and it really does. So uh, we really enjoyed our interviews today, uh, with Mike Bender and also, obviously, with Evan Myers. We always enjoy sitting down with him. And next week, we are going to be talking about weather folklore. So some of the things maybe your grandmother told you about... <laughs> or whoever. Was, that your, was that your grandma voice? No, she didn't sound like that at all, so I'm not sure where that came from. Hmm. Um, but anyway, and Andy's just like, hmm. So anyway, uh, we are going to be talking about some weather folklore. You know, some of it has some truth to it, and then some of it's just ridiculous. So you'll want to tune in for that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.